Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything. Weather, science, earth science, astronomy. Mm-hmm. And please come in peace, we beseech you. Creator of the Weather Jazz Podcast, Andre Berlinger. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is episode number 351 for Wednesday, June 27, 2022. And just in case you were wondering, why wasn't uh, episode number 351 issued on Monday? is that periodically I simply run out of time running around and getting things done. Now, I did have just enough time to record a video version, not necessarily of episode number 351, but really more of a stopgap episode, video episode that you can actually watch right here from my Weather Jazz studios at weatherjazz.com. Just scroll down And you'll see an episode called Video Update for July 25, 2022. It's a short update. It uh, perhaps lasts about four minutes. But I talked a little bit about the tornado warnings that occurred late this weekend here in the Ohio Valley. They occurred at a most unusual time. That would be in the wee hours of Monday morning. So if you'd like to check that out, go to weatherjazz.com and scroll down from episode number 351, this one, to the video update, which I did post on Monday. Just in case you want to see what the studio looks like, I've posted other things from here before in a video format on weatherjazz.com. However, if you are a new Weather Jazz listener, you may have never seen it, and it's worthy of your time. It's a wonderful studio that took me about nine months to build from start to finish and in my humble opinion has a lot of eye appeal too. I've got some LED lighting in the background. You will notice that at least for that episode I have green and blue together. Now green and blue together for what it's worth are two of my favorite colors together a teal blue and a bright Kelly green. So what does that have to do with weather? Absolutely nothing. What does that have to do with science or astronomy? Absolutely nothing. It's just kind of an interesting thing and perhaps something that you might have asked looking at the video. Now, I do have a television, a large uh, television monitor. And as you're looking at the video, it's off on the left-hand side, on the lower left-hand side. That, too, has a, an LED strip around it. But the color is not green or teal blue. It's actually more of a vibrant red. 
So I have all of the major colors that are blasting away here in the Weather Jazz Studios. And periodically, yes, I do change the colors, not only according to my mood, but according to the season. For instance, in the Christmas time period, I had those green and red, and I had them oscillating back and forth. It's just something to have a whole lot of fun with. It's visually interesting, and it does change according to my mood whenever I uh, see fit. And perhaps one of these times, I'll do a request on what color should I put back there? Should I have them changing, pulsating, moving, or should I have them static? Just another way to have fun here at Weather Jazz. I'm going to take a break right now. It is Science Wednesday, and when I come back, we'll dig into some of the interesting things about planet Earth. It's going to be part two, the setup, essentially one more setup episode to what I hope is going to be a real interesting part three, what makes Earth the special place that it is. Of course, all of these details, all of the part one, part two, etc., will show some aspect of this. But when we get to part three, we're going to assemble it all together and talk about the Goldilocks zone. More on that coming up next week. This week, part two, coming up right after this. All righty, here we go. We're back and we're going to dig into planet Earth. We started that last Wednesday when we took a look at uh, some of the very typical measurements of Earth, but we did it collectively all at once. And when you do that, you go from kind of a boring set of statistics individually, one-on-one, to a collective of something that makes you stand back and go, oh, wow. Now, I'm going to put everything together next week, next Wednesday, when we look at something I call the Goldilocks Principle. Basically, the absolutely perfect spot and the perfect everything that comes together to make life possible here on Earth. But today, let's start with entomology, the study of the word Earth. Historically, the word Earth has been written in lowercase, but by early modern English times, many nouns were capitalized and the Earth was also written in capital form, as in capital E and then lowercase e-r-t-h, particularly when referenced along with other heavenly bodies. More recently, though, the name is sometimes given simply as Earth instead of the Earth, And in more recent times, Oxford spelling recognizes the lowercase form as the most common. However, capitalized form is an acceptable variant. Now, we're going to get a little nuanced here because another convention capitalizes Earth, capital E, A-T-R-H, when appearing as a name. For instance, the Earth's atmosphere. However, it almost always appears in lowercase in colloquial expressions such as, what on earth are you doing? And while interesting for those that have an interest in entomology, it's time to get back to the basics. What about the shape of earth? It is nearly spherical, although there is a little bit of flattening at the poles and bulging around the equator. 
And as you can imagine, it's due to the Earth's rotation. But what exactly is the extent of that bulging? Well, at the equator, the diameter is only 27 miles larger than the pole-to-pole diameter. In the grand scheme of things, that's really quite minor, but the difference is in fact there. Now, because we live on terra firma, we live on the ground, we hardly ever think of the layers of the Earth beneath their feet, but there are quite a few. There's the lithosphere, the crust, the upper mantle, the upper mantle, the lower mantle, the asthenosphere, then the outer core, and then the inner core, right at the center of Earth. Obviously, the deeper you go, the hotter it gets. If you were able to put a temperature probe all the way down to the core, it would be extremely dense and extremely hot as well. And all of that molten iron ore is exactly the reason why we have so much protection from the sun, because we have the magnetosphere which essentially arrests all of the harmful rays, or at least most of them, from reaching the Earth's surface. What about the chemical composition of Earth? It's actually composed mostly of iron, 32%. Oxygen is next to 30%. Silicon at 15%. Magnesium, 13%. Sulfur, 3%. Nickel, 2%. And calcium, just over 1%. But that is dependent on the layer that we're talking about. Now, if we isolate the core, the very center of Earth, would you believe that it is comprised mostly of iron to the tune of 89% with only smaller amounts of nickel and sulfur? Let's talk about the orbit around the sun. The Earth orbits the sun at an average distance of about 93 million miles. We hear that number a lot. But that does vary by about 2 million either side of that, dependent on where it is in the orbit. And the Earth orbits around the sun every 365.2564 years. That's why sometimes we have to add a leap day every four years or so. And that's so that our calendar will essentially be in line with the sidereal year. In other words, where the stars line up on the calendar. Now, if you take the average movement around the sun, this is how it breaks down. With respect to the stars, it rotates around the sun at about one degree per day with the background of the stars. And that essentially breaks down to one apparent sun or moon diameter every 12 or so hours. Now, the orbital speed of Earth breaks down as follows. It goes around the sun at an average of 66,600 miles per hour, which, by the way, is fast enough to travel the distance equal to the Earth's diameter every seven minutes. And the distance between the Earth and the moon in about 3.5 hours. Now, a lot of people think that we get our seasons because of the distance from the Earth to the sun. But that isn't necessarily the case. As a matter of fact, it's exactly counterintuitive when it comes to thinking about seasons in the northern hemisphere. Here's why. The Earth's perihelion, in other words, its closest approach to the sun, which is about 91 million miles, plus or minus a little bit, that occurs not in the summertime, but our winter. And that occurs on January the 3rd. 
The aphelion, in other words, the farthest away from the sun, which is about 95 million miles, that occurs on July the 4th. So is there an increase in energy received from the sun when we are closer to the earth? And the answer is, well, yes, there is a difference. In fact, that difference is very measurable at 6.8%. However, that difference is nominal compared to the angle of attack of sunshine. In other words, in the summertime here in the Northern Hemisphere, even though we are farther away from the sun, the sun has an angle of attack on all of our land surfaces at a much more direct angle. And that is the difference that causes our seasons. Now, if our perihelion occurred in our summertime, yes, there might be a slight difference in temperature. However, the difference in temperature would be nominal compared to the difference of the amount of energy that is transferred from shortwave radiation to longwave radiation vis-a-vis heat as it's generated from the angle of attack. Much more important than the difference between aphelion and perihelion on the sun. All these together make Earth a remarkable place. However, the best is yet to come. I'm going to save the best for next Wednesday when we look at the Goldilocks zone. What makes Earth such a truly, truly unique place for life? Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode on Earth. It is part two of Earth. Go check out part one, which was issued last Wednesday, and that's episode number 349 at weatherjazz.com. And we started the series way back in the springtime. I want to say it was sometime in March that we picked up on Mercury, went out from Mercury, and then we came back to the sun, and now we're doing Earth. And when we finish up with Earth next week, we will then focus on the moon, our moon. A very complex object and an object that we admire on a regular basis, especially every 28 and a half days or so when it gives us its full face here in the nighttime sky. Do you have something that you'd like to share? A question? A topic suggestion? Or perhaps something that was a wow factor for you in this whole series? I welcome your input. You can reach me easily, weatherjazz at yahoo.com. And also via the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line, that would be an audio message that you leave at 234-525-5888. Just listen to the prompts carefully and then leave me your message. Open Line Friday is coming up in just a couple of days. I'm working on something very special. I'll keep you in suspense, hoping that I'm able to pull all of the pieces together to bring to you a rather interesting topic with a very interesting person. Until then, have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you on Friday. Weather and science across the globe. The Weather Jazz Podcast.